Hi, I'm Ian Whitaker, and welcome to the JC Deco Digital Changemakers podcast. I've been invited to host this podcast to highlight the latest trends marketers should know about and interview senior leaders to ask the challenging questions of all thinking. I want to share insights that will inspire senior marketeers to push the boundaries on their marketing strategies and become digital change makers in their organization. So what's on the agenda for this latest episode? Recession. It's been on the horizon for a long time, and it's something that is part of a normal economic cycle. But given how sharply inflation has risen after Brexit, COVID, and now the war in Ukraine, the cost of living crisis is a real threat to life as we know it. How can we separate how we feel or how to deal with our situation as individuals from how we deal with our situation as a brand? How do we shift our mindset for consumer to investor? Today, we'll be discussing what advertisers and brands should consider when the term recession is looming and how winning brands have navigated recessions in the past. I'm joined by Ravji Kantaria, Director of Marketing at JCD Co., to turn the questioning towards me from my own perspective as an analyst. Ah, oh, thank you, and thanks for letting me come and interview you again today. <laughs> Not at all. <laughs> um, so, I mean, we've been seeing a lot in the headlines recently. It's a scary time for some people. Uh, we've been seeing the headlines about, you know, um, inflation hitting 15% mm -hmm. today. We've got, um, obviously, the energy price hikes. Um, we've got interest rates rising, but at the same time, we're seeing petrol prices dropping, actually, and mortgage criteria being uh, relaxed a bit. Um, and so we're seeing quite a lot uh, happening at the moment. Can you tell us, as your kind of role as an analyst, what is happening? Can you summarise a little bit of, of what we're seeing at the moment? Sure. And you know, just, to, you know, just to start off, I'm not a sort of an economist by training, which actually might be good in in some ways <laughs> on this um I, I think you know joking aside i think you've got said a real mixture of signals that have been sent out at the moment yet the the phrase that has been used is if this is a recession then it's very unusual recession because what you have is yes you know you have certain indicators such as inflation going up your consumer confidence has been going down but at the same time jobs data has been very strong when you look at things, then also as well, you, you do have a le uh, an issue here of your know, overall wage inflation hasn't kept up with with price inflation. But then that depends on which part of the, the scale you're at. If you actually look at the ONS data, you know, you'll see that real wages have been dropping at, at sort of record levels compared with the inflation rate. But when you include bonuses, which obviously are towards the higher end of the population, the, the wage earning population, that actually is slightly above. So, you know, what you've really got here is a lot of polarisation that is going on at the, uh, at the forefront. The inflation issue is interesting because <clears throat> if you look at some of the things that have actually been driving inflation, some of them still remain very elevated yeah, and so forth. You've got wage inflation, which is obviously coming through as well. But you've got some things which have come back down. Yeah, certainly at the time of, of, of this recording. Yeah, the price of oil has been coming down. Yeah, also as well in terms of prices of wheat, for example, has been coming down and so forth. Yeah, the fact that you've got some growing concerns about sort of the, a global recession, you know, weakness in China as well. So the cost of commodities has also been coming down as well. So there's really a large number of effects that are coming through. I think if you were to sum it up in one or two sentences, what you'd say is probably... The world is in a bit of a state of flux at the moment. Yeah, both in terms of, of the events that have happened in terms of COVID and then also as well now the war in Ukraine. But I think also as well, just more generally, 
in terms of some of the trends that have been more prevalent for the past 40 years, perhaps in the way that we look at things uh, uh, and sort of the world order sort of uh, is, some of those things are changing as well. And all that is coming together sort of at one time with, with COVID really being the trigger uh, for a lot of the changes. Mm, definitely. <laughs> and I suppose this all affects consumers in different ways, doesn't it? So different consumer groups are affected differently. Um, could you talk a little bit more about that? Because you mentioned, you touched on a little bit that, you know, wages may be different for different groups and <laughs> things like that. So could you talk a little bit more about the disparities perhaps in how this affects different groups of people. Absolutely. I mean, if you look actually, one thing that we would say is a you know key characteristic of what's happening at the moment is the real polarization of the consumer. You know, as you say, I mean, you have consumers who are you know, certainly the the lowest income deciles, you are really struggling with the effects of energy bills, you know, rising food prices and so forth. Yeah, at the other end, look at the results from luxury goods companies. Yeah, places like Western Europe, North America, yeah, beaten expectations, yeah, really, really strong sets of numbers. Yeah, to use one example, watches of Switzerland, yeah, they talk about the fact that essentially, so the demand is far outstripping supply and the waiting list is, yeah, is absolutely long. So the luxury, you know, the high end of the market, things are going, you know, the consumer's doing well. And I think, yeah, if you look at the two different categories, yeah, let's take that higher end first. Yeah, first of all, first thing to actually recognize is they actually did very well out of COVID. You think about sort of all the government intervention schemes and so forth, that was fine. But really where they benefited from was the rise in the increase of assets. Yeah, the Bank of England's quantitative easing program, sort of one of the key effects of that was essentially to push up the, the value of all assets, whether that be stocks, whether that be housing prices, you know, whether that be people's pensions and so forth. Now, obviously, when it comes to assets, yeah, the higher end of the population has more of those than the lower end, you know, who might typically be renting, don't have access to, you know, to equity in their house and so forth. You've got that element. You've got an element when it comes to wage inflation that the higher income groups are generally doing better than the, the lower income groups. I go back to that point before. Strip out bonuses. Real wage inflation is down quite sharply. Include them in, which is the higher end of the population. Yeah, actually, it's keeping pace with it, pace with inflation. Um, there was some data that was out recently was talking that in terms of, of I think, pre-pandemic, your know, wages are at that point, which is around May 2022, your know, wages are around 15% on average. But for people in finance, they're up 25% from pre-pandemic levels. For people in IT and services, they're up 21 and 22%. So they have obviously done well. And then there is a third element here that when you look at inflation, actually inflation impacts more or rather is higher for low-income groups and it's for higher-income groups. And that's because low-income groups are spending more of their disposable income on things, well, question whether it's disposable, but more of their income on things such as energy and food. So the Institute of Fiscal Studies was talking about if you take the top decile in terms of wage earners in the country, yeah, the inflation rate for the 12 months to October 22 yeah, would be around 8%. If you actually took the bottom decile, their inflation rate was 14%. So you've got these real sort of mixture of things that are all, all really coming together. And that, that is why you've got the consumer that is reacting in different ways where you, you can have sort of some companies say the consumer's feeling under pressure. Yeah, as I said, you can have travel and entertainment going through the roof. You can have luxury sales going through the roof. 
you can have strong price inflation as well that's been able to push through. It's, it's a real dichotomy in terms of the situation at the moment when it comes to the consumer. And I suppose the other interesting thing is the level of help that we're seeing um, from the government, for example, with energy payouts or um, I think now the energy cap is going to be reviewed, isn't it, more often, mm -hmm. so four times a year rather than twice a year. So we see, and the petrol price have dropped, you know, there's, there's talk of taxes changing, things mm -hmm. like that. So there seems to be a bit more help this time around. Is there anything in kind of what you know in your experience of you know, the anal analysis on recessions, is this mm -hmm. different to other recessions or is, is this kind of what we would expect to see? No, I think it is. It, it is different. And there's a, there's a much wider question here as to whether, and this is, as I say, it's a much bigger topic, whether more widely what we're seeing is we're seeing the, the, the sort of end, as it were, the, the Reagan-Thatcher consensus that essentially governments take the view of we let the markets do what they want and we don't intervene. And I think COVID in that regard was very much of a watershed. Yet the fact that governments lock, effectively locked down economies, but then as a quid pro quo for that, recognised that what they had to provide was support to both firms and workers. And you think about the furlough scheme, I mean, 80% of, of a of the workers' wages being supported by the government up to a certain level, you know, certainly above the, the average national wage. You had loans that were provided for firms and so forth. Yeah, and... By and large, you would say, yes, you know, there are issues with fraud, you know, yes, the, the ways that that scheme was was executed. But by and large, it's, it did its job. You know, it prevented a large scale collapse of the economy coming through. And so I think from that standpoint, what you're more likely to see moving forwards, a government's been sort of have been a lot more interventionist when it comes to the consumer. And I think that will be both indirect ways you say things such as energy subsidies and so forth i think also as well more in indirect ways as well so you you can see things for example such a, as more support for the consumer let's say in terms more support for renters in terms of when they're sort of of their protections vis-a-vis -vis landlords this is going to be a trend it's not going to be a short-term trend i think it will be a medium to longer term trend moving forwards and yeah from a government standpoint at the end of the day what they're really concerned about is you know what happens in elections and yeah, when we have a situation as we do in the moment where, as mentioned, the poorest members of society are the ones who've been most impacted by what's happened. And again, rising interest rates. Yeah, if you are a mortgage holder, but your income is not that great, you're going to get more impacted than if you were at the higher end of the scale, certainly in terms of being able to afford yeah, to, to pay your mortgage. There is a realisation here that, that, quite frankly, governments need to do something. So I think we will see more more steps in terms of intervention. So then what what does this mean for brands? Because just as you have kind of different consumer groups being impacted in different ways, brands, depending on their situation, would be impacted in different ways. So what would you kind of expect to see there in terms of the differences in how a brand situation would be impacted? Well, I think what you'll find, again, it will go back to this polarisation issue. I mean, one of, the, one of the very interesting things that is coming from the, you know, both the Q1 and the first half results, is that particularly when you look at the big, you know, fast-moving consumer goods companies, but also across a range of different sectors, the ability to pass on costs to the consumer via price increases is actually a lot higher than the historical models were, would suggest. Now, you, 
there are some signs that that is creaking. For example, you look at the the results of U.S. retailers, for example, a Walmart or a Target. They will talk about the fact that they're seeing several different types of consumers you know, all within their group. They've got some consumers who are actually scaling back to cheaper products when it comes to things like bacon and milk and so forth. They've got other consumers that are, are just going out and buying game consoles and they're struggling to keep up with the with the demand. So there's a real sort of mixture here of, of things. I think for you know, general mass market goods, probably what you will continue to see, and this has been very much the, the theme from, from the results, is that... Yeah, there is going to be yeah, there's going to be more price increases that are coming through, and generally the effects of those price increases will probably offset the volume decline, because again, yeah, the economic data is an average, yeah, of a range of points, both the low end and the high end. Probably what you will see is at the low end, yeah, you're almost certainly going to see. In fact, you are starting to see right now, people scaling back to cheaper products, but when it comes to the higher end, sort of, I think now those price increases will be sort of will be by and large accepted because it comes back to this point before if you're in a higher income household generally you've built up savings during the pandemic so you actually did well there you're doing well in terms of your salary you're, you're doing well in terms of your asset values yes you know you may complain complain that the price of beans is up by 30 percent let's say yeah over the past six months is that really going to make a huge amount of difference to, to what you do probably not uh, on things so i think for brands yeah, again, it would depend part by sector, sort of where they are. Yeah, travel, I think, should continue to do pretty well and so forth. Um, but I think also as well where they sit when it comes to which end of the consumer yeah. they're really looking at. And I guess there are always winners and losers, right? Always opportunities yeah. and challenges in, in these situations. Um, I guess something I've personally found a bit of a challenge, I suppose, is almost differentiating between that personal let's call it budgetary squeeze (laughs) that you might have as a consumer and then how you have to represent your brand you know as 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 an investor almost so how do people kind of if you are a marketer kind of living through this everyone is in their own situation how do you almost shift your mindset from consumer to investor as you're representing your brand and looking at investment and marketing decisions? No, it's an excellent question. And funnily enough, I mean, you see, uh, I mean, you've seen variations of the same question as you see in finance, you know, where investors tend to look at their own, you know, look at particular assets through the the lens of their own perceptions. You see it actually, you see it in advertising spend, you know, much of the advertising industry is, is based owns one or two London. Yeah, maybe doesn't have a yeah, let's let's say a, a a sort of wide enough view of what's going out going on in the rest of the country. I think from a brand perspective, yeah, there are a couple of things here again to bear in mind. Yeah, one is if you're working that point there, if you're working in the branding and advertising industry, you you probably are in a minority, and you probably are sort of maybe not representative of the general population. So there has to be sort of a attention there to what consumers are thinking and. There will be a lot of data that will will sort of uh, looking at what's gone on before and will help brands and advertisers make the decisions as well. I think you know there will be an element of sensitivity that will need to be applied. Yeah, on here, I go back to luxury goods example. Yes, you may be doing well, but isn't necessarily a good thing thing to sort of shout out that message. Yeah, very loudly when you have sort of many people who are struggling, uh, sort of on here. And I'd argue in a way that yeah, just as in 
you know, we had sort of uh, sort of 2020 beyond sort of there was a lot of focus on, on you know, there have been some DEI initiatives and also as well sort of ESG, environmental sustainability and, and governance issues. I think moving forwards as well, brands also as well will need you know, a new leg of that campaign will need to be around sort of, of if you want to call it the class divide or the income divide between various consumer groups. Yeah, that there are a lot of people who are, are struggling here. And I take a relatively optimistic view of things. I mean, you know, my viewpoint is, is that, you know, I think in terms of the recession that we won't get a hard landing. I think in terms of inflation, some of the mentioned before, some of the inputs are, are actually coming down. You also have from next year, you also do have a comparables effect. So in terms of what you're basing next year's inflation rate off. So there is that particular issue as well. And I said, jobs data sort of remains quite strong. So I think another consideration, and that doesn't necessarily mean that's the right view, but I think another consideration that brands and people who work in marketing have to consider is, you know, is to resist the tendency to do something sort of just almost in a panic way. Mm. Yeah, because there is always a temptation, particularly when you get with, with you know, question marks about profitability, do firms suddenly decide we need to cut our advertising spend because we want to protect the bottom line and so forth. And the problem is, particularly when it comes to brand advertising, is that once you get into this stop and start approach, then it actually takes a lot longer to actually get back to where you were. I mean, we've talked about this before in terms of the intangible capex sort of idea and so forth. You know, this whole idea that brand, brand advertising in particular is a long-term investment. It needs to be actually done through thick and thin and sort of stopping and starting just really isn't the right approach. Yeah, definitely. And I am hearing that as well, that budgets are starting to be kind of reviewed, you know, marketing mm -hmm. budgets. So what can someone do then if they're in that position where, you know, obviously you've got all of the proof um, in your recent reports and analysis on how market investment drives long-term shareholder growth, but that might be quite difficult for people to prove or have those conversations in the boardroom as mm. we hear. So is there anything that, that you would kind of suggest there? I know that you've been doing a lot of work with us on, you know, speaking the language of the CFO. Yeah. Um, is there anything you can you can kind of advise for, for, for anyone in that situation where their budgets are being kind of questioned? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it, that would go to the heart of it, of saying, you know, really recognizing what the part you know the priorities of the board priorities of of companies are data is obviously sort of a, a key point of that and i think also as well sort of making the argument that that again this needs to be needs to sort of get away from short-term thinking and really think of the long-term effect because again we don't know how long we we don't know whether we will be in a recession or, or not. As I said, you know, if it's a recession, it's a strange kind of recession. Yep, jobs data is strong. If you look to the comments, for example, from uh, the banks in the US, generally saying that essentially both consumers and businesses remain very strong, you know, very, very healthy you know, across the board. So, you know, what I would say is that marketeers, you, know, you have the data sort of, of presented in a way that boards and managements will understand, emphasize in terms of the long-term value that marketing delivers. And it's not just a theoretical thing, yet the fact that so many of these FMCG companies are pushing through yet much greater price inflation than they thought, yet that should tell you that essentially, you know, a brand that can do that, 
has significant power. And the other thing we'll also emphasize sort of on this sort of certainly on this longer term point is that, you know, when it comes to prices for firms, if firms can can get their prices up to new elevated level now, that's a permanent level that's set moving forward. So it's a permanent gain. Whereas some of the input costs that have driven that, not all, but some of the input costs that have driven that those price increases will eventually come off. So again, you know, what you can do is that you can get advertising, particularly brand advertising, to support your brand during the recession. You can push through, you know, push through price increases to consumers. This is not just about a six-month, nine-month effect. This is potentially a multi-year effect that will doing that spend now will generate far more return than making the short-term cut. Great. Great. Thank you so much, Ian. I mean, a moment of self-reflection, I suppose, for everyone, whether that's as an individual, as a brand, you know, having a look at your uh, business objectives, boardroom objectives, you know, how can you really take an opportunity here rather than, you know, considering it um, to a challenge, if you like. So uh, lots of resources that you've kind of helped us build to help people in terms of e-learning on how to speak the language of the CFO. Lots of kind of downloadable slides, research for everyone um, to kind of to use on our uh, on our digital hub, changemakers.jcdeco.co.uk. So please, hopefully all of our listeners, if you're in this situation, you're kind of looking to uh, build that case for the boardroom and make sure your investment is protected. There's plenty for people to kind of uh, download and use to help them. So thank you so much, Ian, for letting Not me Not all, actually. You. No, thanks so much. Um, and see you next time. Indeed. <laughs> see you then, okay? Thank you. Yeah. Vavji, thanks for turning the tables for today's episode. It certainly is an interesting time for the media industry and those who are making decisions around the future of their brands. We hope you enjoyed listening. And wherever you get your podcasts, don't forget to subscribe, like, and share. For further resources, downloadable slides, and more information on all the topics covered in our podcasts, visit changemakers.jcdeco.co.uk. You'll also find my short e-learning series there on how to speak the language of the CFO on the JCDeco Digital Academy. Thanks for joining and see you next time.